0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with our newly minted relationship with State Corporate Training. After 18 months and hundreds of conversations with the leaders, innovators and the movers and shakers in our city, two things have become abundantly clear. The future of work has arrived and it always has been all about the people. So whether you're an individual looking to upskill or an organization looking to reskill an entire division, Sate has the team, the curriculum, and more importantly, the advisors to partner with you to build what you need to adapt for the road ahead. Do yourself a favor and take the time to learn a little bit more. Check them out at wwwsateca slash corporate training. And more importantly, give them a call, have a consultation, and find out what Sate can do for you. Hello, and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Cody Battersill. How are you, Cody? Mm.
1: Hey, I'm doing great today, Tyler. Thanks so much for
0: having me on the show. Oh, so good to have you on the show, man. We, uh, we met, I don't even know, two, three, I don't, <laughs> with the last 14 months, it all kind of blends together. But I've known you guys for at blur. least, at least over the past three years, and we've had a chance to be in the room together a few times, and really appreciate what you guys are doing with Canada Action, and uh, happy to have you on the show, because we haven't chatted for probably the last, like, year and a half or so, so really cool. yeah. curious what you guys are up to, what's happening, in the space. But before we even go any further, let's give you the mic, set the stage, tell us a little bit about Canada Action for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to know about the good work you guys do. And let's give it a little bit of backstory and then kind of let's get into the issues at hand.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Um, Canada Action, uh, there's so much going on. It's so exciting. And uh, it's really interesting because this last, yeah, like the last year and a bit, it's been this big blur. So it's funny, right? You bump into someone and you're like, hey, you know, yeah, I just saw you last year. And you're like, no, that was actually 2019. Um, yep. It's great. It's great to connect with you again. Uh, we've got lots of really exciting things happening at Canada Action. You know, really, we're trying to promote a message of people, planet and prosperity. And we're promoting a message of balance. Uh, one of our key talking points, really something that we can all uh, subscribe to in life in general is we want to have an informed conversation and uh, everything that we do uh, that, that we've done and that we continue to do is based upon uh, a couple core principles, nonpartisan, fact-driven, respectful, inclusive, and uh, positive. And uh, that doesn't mean we can't call people out. We do call people out. We do call out uh, misinformation and errors and uh, falsehoods, but we do that in a respectful way and really trying to reduce polarization and raise the level of decorum today in today's online and offline world is so important. Because these conversations about natural resources, these conversations about oil and gas, about energy, about renewables, about clean technology, about Canada's place in the world, it is a positive conversation. We have so much to share, so much good news to talk about. And I think as we continue to bring that good news to the forefront, more and more and more Canadians continue to realize that we do have a record that we can be proud of. We should be proud of our people and we should also be proud of our natural resources. And, uh, so it's, it's really exciting. There's a lot of exciting things going on. Um, I cannot believe now sitting here 2021, um, I actually started this whole thing like in 2010. It's been like over a decade,
0: 12 years. Hey, curious, just to set, is, how would you define is Canada action? Is it a movement? Is it a, well, uh, I, I mean, I'm running out of words. It's not a charity. Is it just? Uh, is it an idea a concept? Is it you know a, a, a message? Like, how would you guys define it if we were going to kind of give it a label? And maybe maybe that's even unfair to try to give it one label.
1: You know, I love uh, I love movement because in my okay. mind it is a movement because there's been so much that's been, been that's happened about resources in Canada, energy pipelines, etc. Mm-hmm. That has been really heavily weighted to one side of the conversation. And that side has been is this incredibly vocal but often minority group of people that are bent in many ways and often on keeping shutting it down, keeping everything. It's this no, 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 no. Yeah. And we can't just say no. If, we, if we're going to say no, we need to also then talk about substitution. So shut down Canadian energy, where are we importing from and how quickly can we build import terminals? to to fuel and heat and run our society. So if we're going to talk about just no, then you talk about and substitution. Where else are we buying from? Who else benefits? If we're going to talk about the and, which is which is environment and economy, families and communities, urban and rural, oil and renewables, right? Uh energy and uh Climate. We have to talk about these ands. It's not a versus conversation. So it's, it's, I like to say it's a movement because, um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have shared stories with us about how they didn't feel safe or they didn't feel comfortable talking about how they worked in oil and gas, for example, or they worked in a resource sector. And now they found this movement of other like-minded people and Really, we're trying to show people that they're a part of a much, much, much larger community. Polling consistently shows a vast majority of Canadians support local Canadian resource development with continued environmental protection. That's what we're trying to really promote and get away from that polarized uh, kind of screaming that has been happening for a long time. Oh,
0: no, and I think you, you and I were joking online. We've we have a lot of platforms and a lot of you know our digital technology, our digital communications that really prey on those headlines and that polarization. Yeah. And you know, even part of why I started the show is like it's hard to form any kind of opinion off of a bunch of sound bites. Take the time, listen. Have for God's sakes, have a conversation and understand that there's a lot of complexity. So curious, when you started it back in 2010, was this more because you're you're Alberta based, you're you're, Cal- you're Calgary based uh, yeah. individual, your business owner here. When you started it off, was it much more focused on specifically I guess what was the angst? was it really what you saw happening in the oil and gas sector? talking about how to me it looks like Canada action has definitely taken a much broader resource story. But when I first ran into you guys probably two thousand and fifteen maybe it seemed to be more of an oil and gas uh, resource sector like that the oil and gas play fossil fuels
1: yeah you know i've got i've got a couple of fun stories um, so I, I am a business owner in calgary and i 'm a realtor actually and uh, 2009, I remember there was the, uh, 1600 ducks that landed on the tailings pond. Yes, in, so I think we all saw our video. Yeah. The deterrents were down and it was global international news. And at the time, I knew I'd been, I had only been a realtor for about five years, uh, four years. And I knew that a lot of my clients worked in energy. A lot of my mm-hmm. clients owned businesses that supplied to the energy sector, manufacturing, uh, professional services or directly with companies. Construction, you name it, and I saw I saw those headlines, and I was concerned. I mean, we all want to protect the environment, and that situation was unacceptable. And but but wasn't what what was not being properly ta- discussed was about the the vast investment that's been made to prevent that from happening, and that was an error mm-hmm. that day, and and that should not have happened. But um, there wasn't really a balanced conversation happening about that instance. And if we also want to talk about human, uh, sort sort of like anthropogenic causes of avian death, you know, man made causes of of death of birds, you know, um, house cats in urban centers is the largest. Uh, I'm not negating what happened with the tailings pond. <laughs> that's but a
0: tough one to get. I hear you, but that's a tough one to get traction on when you get this like one is headline worthy and the other one is you know Tweety and Sylvester.
1: And it's also <laughs> not wind. It's also not like it's also not wind. Like wind turbines don't kill. You know everything that humans do has an impact, but if you want to actually yes. look at the top causes, it's it's house cats, it's skyscrapers, it's power lines, it's vehicles, and but, but, way un, down but the unfo- list.
0: unfortunately, ducks in a tailing's pond gets really it, it makes for a great if it bleeds it leads he- headline and not to minimize so I, it or play it at all.
1: Yeah, I saw that, and I and and then I was actually in Vancouver uh, on a like a little I guess holiday, and I was walking down Robson Street and I saw Lush Cosmetics with this stop the tar sands campaign. And they were collecting names. They had all these people wearing these fake oil barrels, and what it just it just got me like <laughs> the world's most destructive project. And I, uh, I just was I was blown away that they were out there on the street, one of Canada's busiest tourist retail walking strips, lying like really misrepresenting, lying without without uh, context, without perspective. I mean. Um, it was crazy. And so I actually just got pissed off. I was, to be honest, I was pissed <laughs> I, I, off. I,
0: I, appre- I appreciate that. <laughs> the I was, power that I comes was, from, from, from just being, just being annoyed.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I was blown away that they were able to do that. I was blown away that, you know, as I learned more about the energy sector, as I learned more about the importance to Canada's economy, as I learned more about how the world works, where everything comes from, how everything's made, how we all live the way we live. I was blown away that more people I mean I was blown away the industry wasn't wasn't talking about what they were doing to protect the environment to find that balance doing more advocacy more marketing more more advertising and um, I was blown away there was this giant vacuum of information and that void had been filled by this this narrative. so um, I started a Twitter account. I started my first Twitter account 2010 and I used it to tweet at lush cosmetics. I talked to lush cosmetics. I talked to Mark Ruffalo. I talked to Greenpeace. I talked to to all these different uh, people that were out there talking about Keystone XL and and shutting down Canadian Oil and Gas. And um, here we are.
0: I really, I think it's I think it's so powerful just to set the stage and understand that. Also, you weren't somebody who directly worked in the industry. You weren't an advocate. You, you weren't a spokesperson for the industry. You were an individual who ran a business who quickly like any business owner, where do your customers come from and how do they all integrate together? And you can't live – it's hard to live in Western Canada and run a business without being able to reap some of the benefits over the, this, the, the history of the, what it's done for our province. The resource sector has done amazing things here uh, while simultaneously, you're right, they lost control of their own narrative because – the it was a little bit in the shadows. I would say the energy industry. We took it for granted. You know, you you turn on the switch and it works. You go to the pump and it's there, but we never really talked about it, man. But at the at the place of 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 a positive storyline or a storyline that you're in control of, these days it's pretty easy for somebody to step up with a loud narrative that isn't necessarily based in fact or truth. But man, they can get a lot of airtime.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. You go back to the history. You know, you go back to the inception of the modern day oil and gas industry, and it's always been you know, back like the standard oil, the standard oil days, right? And it's always been, uh, it has never been directly public facing unless you own retail gas stations. Uh, so there, there, there wasn't always this need or this necessity to be thinking about public perception, about the, the term social license, about all these different terms. And then you also have sort of the birth of social media of the iPhone, right? Which revolutionized and was able to now connect Different people, different places, and mobilize. And, um, you know, you can't really blame. Uh, there's so much disruption that's happened from of course. those no, it's, technologies. It's, it's like, any,
0: like anything, there's a series of events. It's hard to go back and go, no, oh, that was the one turning point. It yeah. is a series of, you know, like like in any kind of marketing or any kind of reality of you get slowly the breadcrumbs start to trickle out and then you arrive at a conclusion as a, as, as a, as a customer or as a, as a citizen. Has, in your opinion, has the industry, have they taken some ownership and have they stepped up and, you know – I'm not saying in ownership in the way they do things because I know we have an amazing track record and my wife works on oil and gas and so do many, many of my friends. But are they getting better at, at stewarding the narrative or are they still just head down, kind of do what we do and we'll let the narrative be someone else's issue? Has that changed over the last even five, five years maybe? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I think it's changed tremendously. I think okay. there's so much good that's happening. There's so much positive to talk about. And um, I just wanted to come back quickly uh, to one, one point you made about uh, – Even though my business, even though I personally have clients that work in oil and gas, we all as Canadians work in oil and gas. We all work in resources because we own the resources in the ground. The governments lease them to companies, right? The companies create jobs. They create, they, they fund schools. They fund STARS Air Ambulance. They fund all these amazing resources. Uh, uh, resource companies fund all these amazing initiatives. I like to call it resources for good. And that's a whole separate. Part of the conversation besides the fact that the oil and gas industry in Canada as one example a half trillion dollars for governments from the year two thousand to the year two thousand and twenty it's an amazing part and, and uh, of our natural nat, natural uh, national prosperity it is truly our key natural economic strengths and you you, you go back and you look at some other studies i mean mcdonald Lurie institute uh, final point on this they had a uh, uh, paper out 2012 ish. And then at that time it was like uh, two thirds of business investment, uh, 60% of manufacturing and 50% of exports, uh, more than that. Those three numbers are kind of all approximate. It was all resource-based. So it's manufacturing, it's business investment, it's exports. It's the entire country that benefits. So we all work in resources and we owe it to ourselves and to our country to make sure that people's opinions are based on facts. We're having that balanced informed conversation. I just wanted to quickly j- jump back on that. No, that was and
0: interesting. I never. I, I appreciate your perspective. I don't disagree. I just never. I have certainly never thought about it that in in that in that in that way. And you're right. We get so disconnected from the realities. Well, and that's maybe a, a symptom of our world. We're we're disconnected from our food chain. We're certainly disconnected from where our energy comes from. You know, we 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 sometimes. Well, we. I'm going to use the proverbial we. We live in little bubbles, and then all of a sudden, this other narrative comes along that maybe fits a different storyline, or that you know, again. I, the environmental narrative I'm for that but I believe that there's a balance it's what you said earlier the polarization of if you're for the environment you're against resources if you're for the resource sector you're against the environment like that plus or minus kind of conversation is fundamentally ridiculous but yet it's prevalent I would say it's at the root of most of what we're talking about today
1: mm-hmm. Yeah it is and you know it's 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 energy and the environment because if you just look around Every single thing we have, everything we've ever done, everything we eat, we drink, every holiday, every piece of clothing, every memory we have, it's made possible by this enormously complex logistical supply chain that is finding and producing natural resources, shipping, transporting, processing, upgrading, changing and adapting these resources into these incredibly complex supply chains and then we have an iPhone in our hand and we're like, oh yeah, you know, shut down C- Canadian pipelines. Well, then where does your energy come from to power the natural gas power plant that provides the electricity to power your iPhone? And just these, we just need to mm-hmm. think more down the, down, down the chain and, you know, and, and really how the world works, right? Because electricity does not come from the light switch, food does not come from the grocery <laughs> store, and... um Wood does not come from the contractor who's, who's putting it up? Like it's, you know, these things are incredibly, incredibly complicated. Um, back to your point about, about the industry. I just think there's so many amazing successes. I look at COSIA as a great example. Mm-hmm. There are companies that are like, I mean, we, I could, I could talk for much of the show about the amazing record we have in our energy industry with being net negative emitters, achieving net zero, our record on carbon capture, utilization and storage, the fact that we're like the only producer in the world that has collaborated to send up a satellite to monitor emissions. Um, you know, we're leading uh, a producer on volumes, uh, uh, reducing flaring and methane, um, water consumption, working with indigenous communities, uh, worker safety. Like, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and no, on. No, I hear you, but what a- – what?
0: what what needs to happen and I guess we're getting way outside of our realm here but I guess you live in this you live in this every day all those things are true and you hear them all and they're all available as sources of information if you want to go out and find them but yet there's this very other convenient narrative it's like you know turn it all off tomorrow like it just there's only one answer and it's zero and I think maybe I'm of course I'm picking on the extreme version but it seems to be the other side or the opposition from your narrative that is the line they take over and over again and there's never a need to explain, justify, validate you know, you and I were talking offline about some of the, you know, you've got one set of narrative that's like, oh, you know, we're going to be net neutral by 2050. And, you know, the rise for oil or that that fossil fuel demand is, is never going to rise again. But yet, just this morning on the news, oh, by 2021, we're going to be short a million barrels a day by 20, you know, by 2025, short 10 million barrels a day. The conflicting realities, is there ever a point where, we make too many bad decisions and it really comes back and bites us. Like there's been examples of countries around the world where they've kind of, you know, Venezuela being one, where they kind of blew their economy. They focused on a strategy and it didn't work out, and people are now can't even get water to to function. So I'm going way big and way narrow at, at the same time. Just no, curious I, of your view. Like, do you see a path forward for Canada where we can reach some kind of balance for this narrative, without something going completely off the rails? <laughs>
1: I mean, anyone listening who's thinking about protecting the environment, climate, and also human rights human rights concerns, ESG, social progress, Canada should be a supplier of choice for the resources that we and the world needs full stop, because we are one of the largest producers with the strongest track record of environmental leadership, commitment to innovation, collaboration, reducing our footprint, and taking real global leadership on climate. And that narrative is nowhere to be found when you look at the environmental groups talking about climate and trying to shut down Canadian resources. They're not talking about substitution. They're not talking about how we live. They're not talking about our record. And it's really misleading. And it, I I think, you know, I talked to a lot of people. I remember there was, there was a young woman once who said Canada's, uh, Canada's oil and gas industry is responsible for 30% of global emissions. And that's why I'm protesting to shut it down. And I, had that conversation with her, and she said, well, if what you're saying is true, no one would be against this. You know, we talked about Canada's like 1.5% of global emissions, et cetera, et cetera, and a lot of the emissions reductions initiatives that are underway. People, people just, uh, like, it's that headline. You know, it's the headlines. And, and where that leads us is, as a country with, with uh, high, high, high quality of, of living, standard of living, you know, again, that half trillion dollars from oil and gas over the last 20 years that's paid for the roads we drive on, the schools that our children attend, the hospitals that we've really, really, really relied on over the last while, and all of these other, you know, transit and 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 daycares and, and everything else that we have, plus the interprovincial sharing of wealth and prosperity, um, you know, we have to be talking about how we're going to uh, move forward and continue to create that prosperity. Natural resources are a major, major, major pillar of, of Canada's, you know, we have our people, right? We have our places, our beautiful uh, uh, national parks, uh, you know, Banff, all these other amazing uh, uh, destinations. We also have our amazing abundance of wildlife and animals that we must continue to protect. But, you know, really a, a formative part of Canada's creation uh, can be tied back to a lot of these different narratives. And then we have this amazing abundance of natural resources from agricultural products. We're one of, I think, less than six or seven countries in the world that's a net exporter of food. Uh, we're a top 10 producer of uh, a huge abundance of minerals, metals, agricultural products, wood products, energy products. Uh, you know, we're leading on renewables and clean tech. Um, there's, We have to talk about our resources and we have to do it in a way that's balanced because. Just in the next I mean Total is a major global international uh, uh, energy company they said earlier this year that they could see a supply deficit of as as much as 10 million barrels per day by 2025 I saw that
0: po- I saw that post on your website it definitely got my got my attention especially what I heard just on the news this morning about like short a million barrels by the fall not yeah. even down the road not even 2025 how about like 6 months from now
1: <laughs> It causes prices to spike it causes uh you know people it forces some people to choose between you know Maybe it's home heating or grocery. Like, there's all these, you know, trade offs, and
0: yeah, the do- the don't to get in this. Get, you know, the concept of energy abundance and not. And we do have such a high standard of living in Canada, where I think that standard of living can also make you take a lot of things for granted pretty quickly because you've always had them. Totally. You've never you've never known what it is to not be able to turn the heat on. And again, I'm not trying to paint it too dramatically that way. But man, we we, we live a pretty tampered like most of us have a pretty high quality of life because of this infrastructure that's been built, built around us. So curious, um, it's not, it's not called Alberta Action. It's called Canada Action. How Canada is this asked. message when you start going out? Cause I, I live in Alberta. Like I grew up in Eastern Canada. You and I've joked about this. The, the conversation about oil and gas in Quebec is what's the price at the pump? And mm-hmm. did so and so go across the border to get it X amount of cheaper? And hey, I bet that's our gas anyways. That was literally the extent of the dinner table conversation. I moved to Alberta 20 years ago and have become very invested, proud and involved in the industry. Again, my wife's worked in it for 20 years. When you go outside of Alberta, how's the narrative changing? And- like, what, what have you been seeing in terms of, like, the openness to the message beyond this province, where I think there's a very pro-message here because we all are one degree removed from it at the most?
1: I think that there's just amazing progress that's been made and awareness and education and conversations that are happening. You know, really, we're trying to build bridges. And we can't – I mean, really, can we – Why would why would someone in a province who – with, with minimal oil and gas production, with really minimal history of oil and gas production, why would they understand it like we do? There's no, that's, that's, that's not realistic for us to expect that. And then you also have that vacuum of information that's been filled by a lot of these anti pipeline and anti energy groups. So we have to build bridges. We have to work to raise the level of understanding so that people's opinions are based on facts. We've seen tremendous progress across the country with people. Buying merchandise with people ordering lawn signs, with people paying to put up signage and banners. Um, there's there's signage, you know, Canada Action signage across the country from coast to coast, and um, you know we've been doing events in the territories, we've been doing events on the island, we've been doing events in the Atlantic provinces and everywhere in between, and you know there was a poll by the Montreal Economic Institute out in the last six months talking about how. 70% of Quebecers would prefer that their oil was sourced from Western Canada. And line 9, the oh, line that's 9. That's interesting. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah. that's a, I didn't hear that statistic. That's awesome.
1: So, you know, the line 9 reversal that was opposed by anti-pipeline groups actually allowed uh has allowed Quebec to now get about half of their of their gas, their their oil consumption from mm-hmm. Canada whereas before it was maybe 20%. So, um we just need to continue building consensus, building that narrative, building our supporters, building our network and make sure that people though are clear. This is not Alberta versus Quebec. And, you know, talking about like, like I've seen some comments online that we do not support. Oh yeah. Shut down line five. Let everyone experience what it's like to live without a pipeline. That is ridiculous. That is not, that does not help anyone. We have to work together and raise the level of decorum. So these conversations have to stay positive, they have to stay respectful, they have to stay uh, fact-driven and inclusive. Because we well, need to. I don't think zoning. any of those,
0: any of that criteria applies to social media in general, what you just <laughs> said. That <laughs> checklist yeah, and social hard. media don't go together. It's hard. It's <laughs> to <hard>. be blunt, <laughs> I'm like, what? Factual? What? Like, respectful? What? Uh, yeah. No, come on. That doesn't that doesn't get headlines. That doesn't attract, that doesn't stop you on your scroll because of something dr- drastic that you see that hits you. But yeah, well, you know, let's, not, let's not turn this into a discussion about the, the woes done, of getting your information off social media.
1: We've done events across the country and we have, uh, we're really proud of our track record thus far of maintaining that increase that that better level of decorum that respect at our events at our rallies um, you know and uh, I think more and more and more Canadians are uh, open to having that informed conversation learning more about uh, how energy is produced how forestry is produced why we're a leader in responsible ag Uh, why we should be a choice supplier for the lithium and advanced battery supply chain of the future. And, um, you know, I think I think we need to continue to build that consensus.
0: As you've gone across Canada, you've tapped into forestry, mining, fisheries. Have you, I'm just kind of curious, obviously, I'm I'm much, again, just speaking to my own, I'm much more versed on what's happening in the oil and gas, specifically in that sector, the fossil fuel sector in Alberta, versus what's happening in the fishery sector. But, you know, that's been in the news for years and the economic impact that that's had on coastal towns and the maritimes and so on and so forth. So have you felt is there I guess is there an interest level of like kind of bringing it all together like versus fisheries over fighting their fight over here when you tie it all together, listen to you talk. This is the same fight like and i i 'm using the word fight because it feels that way yeah. I know that 's not what you guys are after, but have you i 'm assuming that there's been an openness or a willingness to for these groups to kind of come together to make one storyline versus a whole bunch of everybody fragmented kind of fighting for fighting for media space
1: <laughs> yeah, I think building the sort of putting all the players on the bench and building up the team, right? And it's Team Canada. It's made in Canada. It's support local. It's uh, fisheries and forestry and mining and energy and ag and mining and hydro and nuclear and uranium. And it's it's all of these.
0: So many. There's so much of it when you start unpacking it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's remarkable. Our record of, you know, where we rank for, you know, forestry product, production and exports, ag, energy, all of those different things. Biofuels, right? You know, ninth in the world for installed wind capacity. Last time I checked, and, and we, we used to be top 10 for solar. I think we're top 15 for solar now. And, like, we're a super large country that's got very low population density that's really cold <laughs> we do, yes, a we lot do. of the year with not a lot of sun. And I, I think we're really swinging above our weight. But we got to all work together. And I think if we can try to understand more about forestry – if those communities can try to understand more about ag, if those communities, and there's obviously some overlap, but if, if everyone can understand more about other provinces and other families and other communities, and if we can remember that often behind the screen, behind social media, it's a real, it's often a real person with a family to feed. We need to remember that when we're talking about shutting things down and, um, again, substitution. So, and, and I think there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of anxiety, Right now, forestry has been an issue uh, for a long time now because of uh, issues in trade with the U.S. There's also, um, you know, there's there's some concern within, I think, uh, parts of the agricultural community. There's obviously some trade concerns around canola. There's trade concerns around softwood lumber. There's 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 always kind of a constant –
0: yeah, there's always issues that seem to kind of go away, come back, go away, come back when it comes, especially when it comes to trade. And at the and end of the been day, a few, there's been a few kind of broad. Well, every time there's government changes, right? There's new administration yeah. and they they resurface old angst, whether it's NAFTA or whatever the case may be.
1: A lot of it, though, boils back to really being the masters of our own destiny as Canadians and maximizing the value of the resources that we all own for the betterment of our society, of our children. And so we can invest in clean technologies and, and new technologies and battery storage and all these new things that aren't quite uh, technologically viable yet. But we should be looking at uh, increasing our trading relationships uh, so that we can supply the entire world and possibly have less of our trading, uh, supp- trading dependency uh, within North America. Maybe we'll be able to you achieve that.
0: You mean the, the single, the solo customer strategy isn't a good strategy for any business? Is that what you're saying, Cody? Yeah,
1: and I'm, <laughs> you know, on, 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 on energy specifically, I'm super, super, super happy. We have to also step back sometimes and go, where are our successes? Like, like this is a marathon, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, every day I'm sending shirts to people, and I'm, 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 I'm people are ordering stickers and banners, and it's all the different brands, um, but. You know, we got to also sometimes step back and go, like, this is a marathon, so you got to have your, you know, make sure you set your pace and look back at our successes, how far we've run. Trans Mountain is under construction. It is, it is fully under construction. There's like 8,000 people working on that project right now. That is and, amazing. And you, and
0: you, and you hardly hear about it ever any, anymore. Like, I don't remember the last time I even heard about it in the
1: news. <laughs> it's, it's so important that we continue to, to support these projects. Also, Coastal Gas Link, right? All the pipes delivered. There's a huge percentage of Indigenous uh, peoples working on these projects. You also have uh, Line 3 is fully built and operating in Canada. It's it's under construction uh, right now in the U.S. That's a huge positive. Taking an old pipeline out of the ground and replacing it with a brand new pipeline to supply the energy that we all need, that sure sounds like a win to me for the environment, but obviously not for environmental, for some of these anti-pipeline environmental groups. And... Um, Uh, there's so many other successes. You look at all of the canola crushing investment that's happening right now in Saskatchewan. You look at um, some of these uh, mills that are, you know, they're talking about possibly restarting some of these mills, uh, you know, for forestry products. You look at um, ag yields are right now very strong. And, uh, you know, we're really helping to build, feed, empower the world. And that's something we should be proud of because when we do it in Canada, it is done with the most transparency, the highest level of collaboration, innovation, and to the best environmental standards. And we're always trying to get better. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're always trying to get better. That's the Canadian Something that all Canadians can be proud of.
0: It's, i'm feeling a swell of canadian pride listening to you talk when you look around the world and i know canada has a pretty unique and you talked about just our, our just huge geography our huge landmass our low population our, our abundance of natural resources when you look around the world and you're thinking about other jurisdictions that have done a really good job of creating a balance maybe there is maybe there isn't just curious who is there places that you look to for that stewardship and that balance uh, knowing that canada does have its own pretty unique formula but where you know who who do we look to that's been doing it well or maybe or L of it well from your point of view?
1: Well, Norway is always the country that uh, yeah, comes that to comes mind. Up a lot. I mean, yeah. I'll make a quick comparison. So the U.S. has, you know, numerous LNG projects now that are up and operating, uh, exporting LNG to dozens of countries around the world. And while that's happened in Canada, we've seen this, again, this coordinated uh, anti-energy export uh, movement, These these protest groups, coordinated, sophisticated, well-funded, and, and we've got currently one larger project with another smaller project, hope, hopefully going ahead soon. But we also, we got, we got to look around the world. So Australia is another great example, right? They spent hundreds of billions of dollars in the last 15 years on, on their LNG industry. They're now also one of the world's top five LNG exporters. Canada has this opportunity with LNG. We missed the LNG boat sort of late seventies, early eighties. Now, hopefully we're going to, you know, we're going to set sail a couple ships. But I'd love to see an armada. I mean, I'd love to see more projects go ahead. It makes sense for the environment. We've got some of the cleanest, greenest, lowest uh, emission natural gas in, in the world. And uh, that's a huge opportunity. Um, but I just wanted to compare kind of the investment statistics again. And uh, Now, when you talk about Canadian Canada and oil and gas specifically, you're, you're typically comparing us with Australia, the UK, Norway, and the US. And we have... Uh, the largest, uh, specifically with oil. I mean, let's talk about Norway for a second, because people always talk about Norway. So it's a country of approximately 5.5 million people. Canada's 37 million people. They're a much smaller country than Canada. We have a number of provinces. We all sort of share wealth and support each other. Um, Norway's production is all uh, off their continental shelf and uh, offshore in their local region. And then their national oil company, Statoil, Equinor now, they're uh, in, you know, at one point, uh, the statistic I like to use, and it's also concerning again, I think, is that, you know, Greenpeace really pushed Oil to sell their Alberta oil sands assets. At the time, they were operating in like 30 countries around the world. But the only country that was pushed to sell, to divest, was was Alberta. And that's troubling for me because, you know, Oil then went and invested in some Brazilian heavy oil, deep water. We have the record, when you look at ESG, we're the number one top ESG leader of the world's top like 15 producers, um, top 10 reserves. So all these different amazing metrics we can look at. Uh, people should be investing, should be choosing Canada and Norway. Uh, it's fascinating. I mean, recently their minister of energy, their, their prime minister, they've said, you know, phasing out oil would be a disaster for Norwegian society because it funds our social programs and they've got a lot of hydro. They're, they're doing a lot of electric vehicles I would say there's a lot of similarities to Canada. We've got a lot of hydro. We're making amazing advancements for the amount of oil and gas that we produce. On again, reducing emissions, carbon capture, all these amazing other, all these other aspects of of how we're advancing. You know, land reclamation and reducing water consumption and monitoring emissions, flaring. I mean, we're a global leader in reducing flaring and methane. It's it's another amazing example of Canada's climate leadership that should be talked about more. So Norway is a really good comparison and. Some people would say that, you know, we should have saved more. I I, I would look – there's a UFC study that said that, you know, Alberta since like 1960 has sort of helped other provinces with transfers and whatnot to the tune of like $600 billion. And you just – you know, you start to think, you know, maybe if we were just one province – like you can't compare Canada and Norway, right? It's, it's apples and oranges for yeah, size, know, for production, I, I, for like I different appreciate, things, but I pre- there's I appreciate a lot Canada of,
0: kind of has its own unique formula. There's right a
1: that. lot of similarities mm-hmm. there. And I think that what Norway is doing, what Canada is doing, very similar. And, and uh, at the same time, like the Norwegian prime minister and energy ministers have said, and we've seen this, you know, echoed uh, from premiers in Canada, from the natural resource minister, you know about how important energy is, and now we need to make sure that the policies are. I like to I like to use the term all inclusive, so we can support wind, we can support solar, we can support geothermal, we can support tidal, we can support hydro, but we also need to remember what currently makes up the vast majority of our energy usage and our resource production exports, and how the world is operating. That's oil and gas. We need an all inclusive energy strategy to uh, to support. Support everything equally.
0: Um, when you think about the political messages, certainly, and this is where I think it does become a little bit divisive, where it does feel like an east against west, or you know, and I, I, don't, I don't want to tout the, the Alberta against the against the east or Quebec or Ontario rhetoric, but there certainly seems, from a federal government perspective, a narrative that much more caters to that group of individuals that's really focusing on the anti-message versus the inclusion message. And I think that's tough when you've got a government that is kind of building, a built a lot of their platform and a lot of maybe their votes have come from talking to that audience in a way that doesn't feel inclusive, to your point. Uh, again, I want to be careful to not turn this into a political conversation, but it's hard not to when you think about East and West.
1: <laughs> well, so I would say that Trans Mountain getting bought by the federal government was a great example of, 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 you know, trying to find a balance. I wish, I do wish that they would do more. I do wish that they, you know, you look at that, that
0: was a pretty, that was a pretty big, you know,
1: that uh, was big. Yeah. That 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 didn't happen. That was
0: a, that was a big signal. You're right. You can't ignore that.
1: And, 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 you know, let's close the chapter on say the last uh, sort of five to 10 years, we hope and move forward with a new chapter. But in the last five to 10 years, you know, you look at oil imports to Canada, you look at differentials, and what we forfeited to the U.S., you look at investment leaving Canada, you look at Canadian companies investing elsewhere, we're talking uh, cancelled, and c- canceled, installed, delayed projects, right? Major research projects. We're talking hundreds of billions of dollars of lost opportunity. So let's hope that that was in the past. Now we can move forward again, again, talking about LNG, talking about getting these pipelines built, talking about ag, forestry, mining, lithium, all these different components of our natural resource space, but um, you know, Keystone XL uh, would have been uh, a great project for North America. It would have been a great project for Canada. And you look at like right now, Biden, uh, you know, has has sort of relaxed sanctions on uh, the gas pipeline in Europe, and uh, you know, to work with their their European trading partners and allies and. You know, it's almost, I've seen people draw this sort of comparison to, well, what about working with Canada on KXL, which was going to use all renewable energy, and uh, Canada's been the only top supplier of oil to the U.S. with carbon pricing initiatives since 2007. So, um, like California, right, last year got like 4% of its oil from Canada, and the other 96% comes from countries that cannot compete on ESG, cannot compete on human rights, cannot compete uh, on climate. So there is a disconnect between what people think, what they feel, what they want, what they value and, and how really Canada's place in the world. We should be champions of uh, people should be champions of Canada. I, I firmly believe for these, for these reasons. And, you know, the other thing I would say is that uh, there has been some work lately on line five, you know, the federal government has done some work on um, on LNG Canada. And, and you know, there, there's other LNG projects in Quebec and in Nova Scotia that I think we should be supporting. There are other opportunities to continue finding that middle road balance of all-inclusive, all-inclusive energy, and uh, show every province, every region, every community that, uh, you know, we're all in this together. We all work together. We all support each other. Um, That is, I think, how we should move forward to create prosperity for our our future.
0: No, I certainly appreciate your perspective and share your optimism around, okay, that was the last five to ten years. We can't change the past. We can certainly learn from it and move forward with more of an inclusive and more of a of uh we 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 the world needs more Canadian energy. Like there's so many great taglines, a lot of them you guys have put out there, which I, I really I really appreciate. But hearing your perspective today and certainly always wanting to share with my audience things that maybe aren't on their radar. That's the whole point of the show. Yeah. Why do you not know about that's going on? And yes, we focus on Calgary, we focus on Alberta, we focus on Western Canada, but ultimately we are in Canada. Nobody's in a no one's in a geodesic dome. We're all joined at at the hip. Yeah. We've got this amazingly like it can feel really far if you haven't traveled to the other side, if you don't know what's going on in Quebec or going on in Ontario and you can get a bit of an isolationist thinking. But you're right. We're not going to solve this with an isolationist mindset. I, I don't believe I believe that there's a lot of inclusion. I'm hearing that from you yeah it really it behooves uh, us all to get educated, understand a little more, go beyond just reading the headline and hitting a like button because the headline caused an emotional reaction for you to take, take the time to read the long form, get in, like, and a lot of people we just don't take the time and but yet we run around with fired up opinions and I think that's really that, that's creating a level of divisiveness in our society at, at whatever level we're just having to apply it to our, our natural resource pool
1: mm-hmm. and There are now people in every province and territory with shirts. That say I love oil and gas. <laughs> I've with, seen them. With I've bumper them. stickers that say I support mining, with uh hats that say I love forestry and with uh coffee mugs that say I love Canadian farmers, I support Canadian agriculture. And and we gotta continue to build that consensus, raise the level of decorum. You know, right now, um, I wanted to chat about, you know, net zero. I think, uh, um, okay. yeah, that's, that's, a,
0: that's a topic that's getting a lot of play right now. You know, net uh, zero and climate is really
1: interesting. And, and, you know, people are asking you like, oh, you know, it's the end, right? You know, we don't need oil and gas anymore. And again, it couldn't be further from the truth. If, if there's anything, we try really hard to take more complex topics, facts, ideas, and, and sort of distill them down into more simple, uh, uh, information, more simple content. So, you know, you talk about that total statistic. 10 million, possible 10 million barrel per day shortfall by 2025. You look at the IEA, you look at Wood Mackenzie, you look at Rysad, you look at Exxon, all putting out, one of the most important things with oil and gas right now that we need to be talking about is declines. In, in 2019, the world was uh, consuming about 100 million barrels per day of oil, declines of current production that will naturally decline as the pressure in the ground and as the production sort of finds yeah, out. As,
0: as you, as you use up the resource. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So, so if
1: you do not yeah. invest, you will see this massive shortfall and declines, you know, uh, I think the IEA most recently said declines are just under 5%. So you need 5 million barrels per day of new oil production this year. To replace,
0: just to stay in just to, just just to, to stay against the attrition,
1: and that's the future for Canadian oil and gas. Even if demand peaks in 2030 or 2035 or 2025, demand does not go to zero overnight. Demand will be very strong, and should be filled, should be met by ESG climate leaders like Canada. Full stop. If we care about those topics, and so there's a there's a long future ahead. I think for Canadian oil and gas. And there's a lot of complicated information. The IEA put out their net zero roadmap talking about uh, 2019 demand being achieved again post-pandemic by 2023. And then the executive director is out this morning on Bloomberg talking about actually it's going to be in like the next six months. And the IEA, yeah, that's what I heard the that's IEA. is interesting because it was formed as a response to the oil crisis of the 1970s. And so, it's funny,
0: listening to you talk, I was exactly going to bring up, I'm like, it was the 70s, right, where we yeah. had like lineups, they, they went fuel, like they tried to make more efficient vehicles, like it was like the bad, it was like the, the, if you look at the automotive enthusiasts, like the 70s was not a great year because they made these cars that were, underpowered to try to save fuel consumption because the technology wasn't there. So they just kind of toned everything. And, you know, we've all seen the black and white images of people or the seventies the outfits lining up with jerry cans to try to get fuel. Like, are we headed towards something like that again? Well, I know that's a little doomsday, but it, it feels like we can't not as all this investment gets pulled out of the sector.
1: There's this recent uh, pipeline outage in the United States that had a huge impact. Like, I mean, a lot of people listening may have seen the photos, but there were people putting gasoline in plastic bags and, Filling their trunk because they were concerned, and that's not a safe way to transport gasoline. But um, you <laughs> no, know,
0: let's let's overlook the there's the energy. Uh, but, there is, but, but it's what a it's concern. what people will do on, in the face of a crisis. I think that's more what that's
1: absolutely. And a lot of the world now, we live in this sort of just-in-time supply type logistical situation. There are enormous backlogs right now in supply chain issues for many, many, many industries you know, at one point there was forty container ships waiting to unload off the port of Los Angeles with every warehouse within three miles full. And and these things get delayed and it's a testament to how complicated and and sophisticated everything that we have is. You know, an iPhone that's made in China, it's like four percent or five percent of the of the actual components are from China. So the actual value of an iPhone, it's like oh, 90- that's
0: interesting I didn't I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know it was that low. It's I've made
1: all over the world and then shipped there, put together and then shipped to the US or shipped wherever it is. So it's very complicated and um with energy we do not want to have a supply shortage. We want to make sure that everyone has access to again abundant, reliable energy and in 50 or 100 years it might be uh you know battery walls in our homes with solar but we're not quite there yet today to no, I, uh, replace yeah. it. And if we do sleepwalk into this massive supply shortage, well, then other producers will benefit uh, who do not have the same, again, levels of transparency or climate, mm-hmm. environmental leadership, et cetera. And I think as a Canadian, we should all be talking about how Canada can maximize the value of our resources today, tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now. We're we're honestly, I would use the word blessed with an abundance of resources that we 100%. use, that the world needs, We gotta, we gotta talk about this because, uh, as Canadians, it just makes sense to, to be thinking about how we can really support, uh, our country, but also the global environment, uh, by, by supporting local resource production.
0: But what I'm also hearing, we just—it's so easy when you get into the, the rhetoric and the headlines to take a very short-term view. Like this is a long-term game we're playing, and investing—you know—today's efficiencies and today's profits on tomorrow and some of that emerging technology. But you're right, you've got to think of this on a on a 50-year cycle, not on the "well, we're going to turn it off tomorrow" kind of mindset, which is really emotionally fun to embrace, maybe for some people. But you're right, it's a much bigger, much more complex story. But let's be honest, that's a harder story to wrap your head around. So I'll take the, I'll take the short-term one. But I appreciate you guys putting out a message of education of inclusion of of you know, just facts like here let's talk about the reality of what's going on before we jump on too many bandwagons hey if somebody's looking to get more information or like shirts coffee mugs like I, I think i want definitely want the farmer one i'm just i'm building my wish list what's the best way for people to reach out and kind of get a hold of you and get some of this awesome swag you guys are putting out there
1: well i really appreciate uh everyone listening today and i've got a special promo code for everyone so canada 20 uh we'll awesome. give you 20% Thank you. off in the online store and um you can order free stickers anytime on our website everything from I love Canada's record of renewable energy leadership to hydro nuclear oil and gas lng forestry egg mining you name it and uh check us out on all our socials uh our website please sign up for email there uh join us on linkedin you know we're we're really we're about uh I think we're about 12,000 uh, people now on LinkedIn, which is really wicked.
0: 12,000 strong. 12,000 12, strong. It's, strong. A move, it's a movement. So yep. we got to talk that And, <laughs> uh,
1: Canada action, oil sands action, uh, oil and gas action. There's lots of different, uh, ways to kind of connect with us. And, uh, really what we ask of everyone is just give us five minutes once or twice a week. Learn a little bit more. Share a little bit more. Cause we are part of that soft spoken majority. We need to just continue to speak up a little bit louder. Always respectful. Always inclusive. Always positive. And when people see the shirt, they give you the thumbs up and go, yeah, you know what? I actually think that too. And people realize they're not alone. And as Canadians, it's in our best interest to, to support Canadian energy, oil and gas, renewables, clean tech, mining, forestry, ag, you name it. So. Um, all, all of the things. Thanks,
0: Tyler. Oh, Cody, really, I want to. Thanks for a real positive message today, man. It's good to put this out, and it's so easy to get caught up and to think that oh my god, everything is it's all bad. There is a lot of positive things happen. There needs to be more. Yeah. And kudos to you guys. Twelve years, man. That's a real. That's a real thing. That's a bunch of lifetimes packed into twelve years. <laughs> oh, it's
1: it's. It, uh, when I find old photos <laughs> of things, and you know, I think back about different. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm so. I'm really, really proud of the work we've done, and I'm really, really appreciative just our community now it's hundreds of hundreds of thousands millions of people that have that 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 benefit that work in you know millions of families work in resources in canada and uh we're trying to make sure that they know they're not alone and that we're all in this together
0: I appreciate that all because of a, of a, of a guy getting pissed off walking down Robson street. I like that story. I liked, I didn't never knew the origin story, like the true or that's a good origin story, by the way, I was just goddamn mad about it. I was just, I was had enough. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> and, crazy. And, and it, most entrepreneurs or most movements, there's a story just like that. I love that story.
1: Yeah. It, it, you know, we all, we have a balanced conversation. We all win. And, and, and we're educated with our opinions. We all been, we all win. We all benefit. And shutting down Canada You know, the only benefactors of blocking Keystone XL have been other heavy oil suppliers to the U.S. It hasn't (laughs) helped the environment. All these pipeline projects have not kept a single barrel of oil in the ground
0: we'll do uh we'll do another episode just called conspiracy theories and we'll uh, bring in some expert uh, witnesses and we'll have a conversation because yeah I think you could you can really go down a weird rabbit hole on on what's going on there but I appreciate today I appreciate the positive and the inclusive message that you brought forward and go to keep up the good work man I love the work I love that you guys are doing I'm happy to really support it and if anyone hasn't heard about you uh, it's out there. You can't drive around Calgary, certainly in Western, <laughs> my Western Canadian audience without seeing, I drove by um, by Tundra's office oh, yeah. uh, down on uh, down in Different Meadows the other day and he's got that banner of loud and proud flying over the top of his building. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> so, thanks Tyler. So Canada CanadaAction.ca, check it out, throw your support, but more importantly, learn. Don't just throw your support blindly. Get in there and find out. You guys are a great resource for information and for truth. So thanks for all the work you're doing, man.
1: Thanks Tyler. I love the podcast and thank you so much for having me on.
0: My pleasure, man. Thank you.
1: Thanks.